you're listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. For more information and to support the show, head to wespeakcommon.com. This week, we're talking about liches, the who, what, and how. We'll go over the history of where liches come from, how you become one, and what that means for you as a player and a DM mechanically. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with The Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop here in the UK that ships worldwide if you need some nice, beautiful, premium D&D dice sets to use in your games. Maybe seeing as we are now, you know, fully into a new year, we can't, we can't, I can't shy away from that fact. Maybe it's time to treat yourself to a new set of dice for that new campaign you're about to play. Go and have a look at the description of this episode. There'll be a link there where you can find all of their wonderful wares. Ben and Dave do an amazing job to uh, populate their site with, honestly, a wide variety of dice, as well as, of course, D&D books, dice rolling trays, and all the other paraphernalia you could need. Maybe check it out if you're thinking about getting the keys to the Golden Vault. Mm. Mm. Yes, that comes out soon. Uh, If you want to get 10% off your entire order, use the code WESPEAKCOMMON at checkout. We're also brought to you in partnership with Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B. Adder.com on the end, that's the website to go to. If you want to meet some real life bards, that is the place to go. They've got professional creative writers doing all of the hard work for you, describing scenes, locations, monsters, spells. They write songs. They write things that you can read as a player. It's just like box text from your favorite adventure, but to use in any game you're playing. There's over nine and a half thousand scenes and growing, and you can get about 500 for them of them for free right now. Go and have a look in the description for that link. And if you want to get access to everything they've got going on, you can subscribe to Describe using the code COMMON at checkout to get 10% off every month for the first two years that your subscription is active. At some point later down the line in this episode, we'll talk about what our wonderful partners have got going on right now. But first of all, I want to introduce the uh, the man that is, well, he, he I would call him my conscious, but he's not he's the reverse of that he's the evil voice in the back of my head that says yes go on do it do it go on eat those souls it's james hi james hello how are you my friend i'm good F- finally made it despite the universe's attempts to stop oh. me revealing the secrets we are about to reveal my god man i have had you booked in for like a month and a half what the fuck is going on <laughs> Well, you know, there was you know, there was the 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 stuff at work, the the, the assault yep. at work, the, the being yep. ill for like two yep. weeks straight. And yeah, it's not it's not been a good month. <laughs> and you're telling me you couldn't make time to come and talk about D and D with me? What is going on? It was it was either that or we didn't play D and D, Ben. Uh, yeah, I mean that's fair. That's that's very very fair. And to be fair, it has been difficult to get sessions in at the moment too. It's one of those. Like we always talk about how there's that time of the year around September when all of our games dry out because we've got so many teachers in our group. Yeah. Um, I don't think we had that this September, really. We had a little bit of it, like not as much as the year before, but we definitely dried out a little bit. But for some reason, this time of year now is uh, uh, the river's gone dry. Yeah. Um, But there you go. A mix of reasons too as well. Like... (laughs) Um, was it next Saturday? 
I get old. I grow up again. Um, I level up. So we're not playing D&D that day. Uh, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to London for a month of my life. So that's going to that's gonna change things. It's just shit's happening, man. Yeah. It's, shit happens. <laughs> we move. I've got a question for you as a former northerner who now lives in the south. Oh, uh, go on. From a southerner that now lives in the north. Is the phrase we move something that's a northern thing? I feel like I'd never heard that until I got up here. See, I've only ever heard Hannah say it. Oh, and then Hannah's not I a have, No, and then I have adopted it as well. Maybe it's a young person thing. Maybe. Maybe it's a cool kid thing, and I've just like picked it up from the cool kids around me. I know. All I know is my accent is irrevocably just fucked. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? What's nice is that I've I've never felt like I had an accent, and this is this is probably quite funny for all of the um, non uh, English people listening, uh, like Americans and and elsewhere. We've got a few people based around the globe who listen to the show. Um, I never thought I had an accent because I was just so used to everyone sounding the way I sound. Like I remember going to primary school. I was born in Surrey, right? So very kind of oh yes, very Surrey. Oh yeah, you say with your T's. And then I moved to Norfolk and suddenly it was, are you right, duck? How's he going? And I was like, oh, okay, God, everyone. Okay, cool country. And I had an accent for a while and then it slowly disappeared and I've turned into this like, not posh, but not country. Yeah. And like not West country. Norfolk isn't West country accent either, um, which is even like, like Somerset. Like, See, God, yeah, I'm not that. I just remember, you know, moving down here last year, six, four, you were there along with a bunch of other people. You know, making me repeat certain words, and then somebody was going, yeah. "Oh well, well, we don't have an accent around here." And I'm like, "Yes, you do. You all sound like yeah. really weird to me." Yeah, uh, just like how I sound to you. <laughs> I I love an accent. An accent gives me butterflies. If if I meet a girl that I think's cute and then she has an accent, immediately she's a ten out of ten. I can't like accents <laughs> do it for me. Um, and so I found recently, by recently like over the summer. I think one day I was, I was seeing this girl and I was chatting to her and her friends and I was like, oh, don't be a bastard. And they were like, oh, a bastard. And I was like, what? Yeah. It's like, what? It's just a bastard, not a bastard. Nah, nah. But I do it now. There are times when Grace, our friend who, who um, moved up here before me, she lived in the North, moved South, came back North. She, every now and then, like, will hang out and she'll say something. And I'll be like, that was very Northern. Oh, that was very Mancunian. <laughs> and she's like, really? I was like, yeah, I heard the little twinge. And sometimes I catch me doing it, but then I couldn't do it now to you. Like, I can't, yeah. it, like, give you an example. Uh, apparently, I, I go really Mancunian around my parents. You do. <laughs> you do. Your mum and dad have, still sound very mank. Yeah. Very mank. <laughs> it was quite nice, actually. Last time I, I came back south and I was, like, at yours and they came round and I was like, oh, Oh, I'm back north. I'm back you were like, oh, I was like, oh my god, what, what a surprise visit! We we don't do surprise visits in this family. They knew I was there, James. That's what they they only came to see me. That's what it was. That is true. That's what it was. Um, that is a thing, though. Surprises. So we're not talking about D and D at all, but surprise visits. Oh my god, can we talk about those? My family doesn't do that. My mum will like message me if she wants to come round. But I've lived with people whose parents just turn up, and I'm like, ah, I hate it. Yeah, it's the like, worst. Like, that's like the first time they've ever done it. Mm. I'm like, tell me. Tell me you're coming. Yeah. Because otherwise, you know, you're there in your pyjamas or, or, or whatever. You're just, or worse. You're just not ready. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I 
our poor Wesley had to wait outside once. <laughs> I'm not, that's not even a lie. That's not even a lie. Um, we should move on. Let's talk about the secrets of magic, James. Um, and we are risking the baleful watch of any of the greater demon lords who might want to not have this secret out there. But we're going to talk about lichdom. Now, as we know, I do not have a soul and I am sustained by the souls of others. I am already a lich. So I'm very much ready and willing to talk about this, uh, join my cult and learn my secrets. James, you're, you're, you still have a soul, don't you? Yeah, questionable. Uh, are you going down the more like split your soul into parts and leave it hidden around the world kind of tactic? Uh, maybe, it depends who you ask. See, I thought about <laughs> that, but it's a lot of work, that one. It is. Um, mm. It's, you know, just put, put it in a penny and then spend the penny somewhere and, you know. Oh, God. That, you know, no Drop one else will find it. Exactly. Safe. Yeah. Immortal See forever. Pick it up. <laughs> and all you know, you've been cursed by the dead soul of a long, long living lich. Oh. Um, that's actually a, that's a great plot hook. There you go. There's your free plot hook for the episode. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about what liches are, where they come from, how to use them. And then at the end of this episode, we're going to talk about how to become a lich as a player character and how to, uh, how to do that and how to play that and what that means. Because it's one of those things that is so enticing. You're like, oh yeah, I'm playing a wizard. I want to be a lich. It's a high level thing. It makes you very powerful. And it almost feels like it enters that area of like werewolf where in the DMG, it's like, if you're a werewolf, the DM takes control of you, um, which obviously sucks. is not the player fantasy. Yeah, that's not what you want. So we'll talk about that at the end of the episode. But first, let's go through um, the history. And also, this is where I'm going to start us off. We've seen we've been talking about accent, the etymology of the word and the name lich. Oh. This is great. It comes from Lichgate, as in L-Y-C-H, gate. So a Lichgate, also spelled as uh, L-I-C-H, gate, or um, there are other words, but sometimes two words, Lichgate, is um, it's an, an old English phrase for a gateway that's covered with a roof found at the entrance to a traditional English or English-style churchyard. So um, the other name that's used is Resurrection Gate, which kind of makes sense when you think about how we're using the word lich well, just uh, corpse, corpse gate I think means, works as well corpse gate is a very dark name the, for a gate that enters a graveyard james jesus the, the old, i mean the, the old english lich did i think etymology wise did mean literally corpse. it did yeah it the the it comes from um potentially the saxon word for corpse so yeah i i mean corpse gate is like ooh, i don't ooh, that sounds gross um, I'm imagining a gate made of bodies <laughs> but yeah so there you go that's where the word lich comes from um, so, it, so it does technically mean effectively if you follow it all the way back corpse um, but it also means gate it doesn't mean gate but it, lich gate that, yeah. that's, my, that's my fun fact for you anyway not so much fun um, James what is a lich? lich is uh, usually not all the time <laughs> <laughs> an an undead wizard um of well quite significant power whose soul now resides in an object known as the phylactery making them you you could say somewhat difficult to kill yeah we shouldn't say they're immortal because they're not 
No. Um, they can be killed. It's just very hard to do, uh, which basically means they are, in one they sense are, of the term, immortal. Yeah, They're long-living. Practically speaking, yeah. they, are, they are immortal. Yeah. Uh, I find it interesting that you said commonly but not always a wizard, an undead wizard, because I'm... I'm a traditionalist. I I like my liches to be wizards who had to like study and really learn how to do it and like sacrifice things. I don't like the idea of a a warlock that's a lich because then I'm like, ah, oh, but you can't do the the typical like stereotypical lich things like all of the cool wizard lich spells and stuff like that. I mean, like you know, the there has been, and if you look at D and D, sorcerers and and clerics and such that have become become liches. That's interesting. I see. I couldn't tell you any off the top of my head. That I mean, wizards. I couldn't tell you their names to be specific, but you know, in in reading up for this, it's it's very clear that that has been a thing in the past. It's interesting. I think it's the the um, because like, the why word? would a, why would a sorcerer not be able to become a lich? Exactly. But like the my understanding, like when you say lich, my stereotypical way of thinking about it that I think is like the stereotypical lich way is. Um, that's a fun phrase, lich way. Do it the lich way. Uh, kill loads of people and eat their souls. Is that you have to have strong arcane knowledge. Like you have to understand things. You can't accidentally become a lich. The whole point no. is that it's yeah. very... Um, you, it, you have to mean it. You have to actively think about what you're doing and then actively do it. And there's lots of preparation, all that kind I of mean, stuff. I if, mean, if you really think about it, a warlock being able to become a lich would make sense depending on who their patron is because the patron would give them access to that knowledge. Yeah, but Wouldn't necessarily they... make them the lich, but would tell them how to become the lich. But then they can't do all the cool lich things. Okay, but see, this is the thing, right? This is the thing. It Depending, and this kind of already is breaching onto the topic at the end of the episode of like, well, if I'm a warlock and I want to become a lich... What does that mean mechanically? Because mechanically, when you fight a lich, they're basically an undead wizard. They have yeah. wizard spells and all that kind of stuff. Warlocks don't have that. So um, so if you're going to, um, and we can talk about this a bit more later, and we will, about like different classes being liches and things. But um, if you're going to focus on liches in your campaign, maybe maybe define what what is and isn't a lich. Is a cleric who becomes an undead spellcaster a lich? Or is, are they something else? Because that's, that's okay too. And that could be cool in its own right. Yeah. But for me, I've always felt like it's like, hey, you need to have this strong arcane knowledge. You have to really, really know what you're doing to become one. Um, yeah, a sorcerer probably could become a lich. Yeah. Um, but in my mind, you're not a real lich though, are you? <laughs> Which is so toxic. You, you, you lich elitist gatekeeper. I'm such a I'm such a gatekeepery <laughs> lich. Um, but I think it's because it 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 comes from like there's a okay. So let's talk about the history and how liches are made because this is kind of what, what I'm touching on now. Is like the idea is that as a lich, you have to find secret hidden knowledge. The ability, the ritual to become a lich, is so dark and evil and hidden away that you have to hunt for it and find it it's not easy to find and then it's not easy to do and so one of the ways that people become liches is they go to orcus um who you know god of the undead or whatever his title is now who knows um or they go to another lich maybe they devote themselves to the red wizards of fey and they kneel before zaztam maybe they they 
become a member of the cult of Vecna and they pray up to one of the higher liches. And maybe there's like five of them in that cult who, who say they've got a direct connection to Vecna when they, when they don't really, cause no one does and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, it's, you have to basically find that knowledge somehow, whether it's through your own research and like messing around with stuff or by going to a higher power and saying, Hey, give me these secrets and in return, I'll give you whatever you want, which is dangerous, right? Yeah. So it's not unfeasible that a wizard or, uh, sorry, a uh, sorcerer or a warlock or even a cleric, although liches are seen as evil. So it'd have to be a cleric to a, a, a evil God, um, to go to this higher power, a higher power and say, yo, give me them tasty secrets. Tell me what I need to do. And in return, I'll do whatever you ask. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be a a, a warlock lich. You could be a, a sorcerer lich, I suppose. Yeah. Um, does that mean that, like, for me, I'm like, okay, well then what does a sorcerer lich stat block look like compared to a wizard lich stat block? What does a warlock lich, like, imagine a, imagine a, um, uh, a, what's it called? A hexblade warlock becoming a lich. That power set, that skill set is very different from yeah. a wizard lich. But I feel like that's, that's really cool. Mm. Like, you know, yeah, you know there's a lich, but you don't know what kind of lich necessarily. So you, yeah, might, like, you might go in expecting, like, you know, countering like, all the wizard spells and stuff, and then the next thing, you know, the lich pulls out his hex blade and just starts wailing away on you. Oh, yeah, check out my plus three Vorpal sword. Yeah. Slish, slash, slish, you know. Oh my god! I've just discovered a new fantasy for Clarathian. Uh, you think the whole play has been to get all over the hand of Vecna? No, no, my boys. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's one thing, right? But the the kind of traditional lich methodology is that you go to this high power, or you find the secret ritual, and then you have to do it. And the secret ritual involves. Um, you know, getting these horrible, getting this concoction together, this like potion that you have to learn to brew, which yeah. usually costs a lot of money because it's got a lot of things it's, in it. It's basically a poison as well. It it, yeah, yeah. it, it kills the, the person that consumes it. Yeah, that's that's its point. That's what it's meant to do. Yeah. Um, you have to create a phylactery, which has to be of a certain value, which is very high. And, and, it, and you know, it can be anything, anything that can hold your soul. So you can get really creative with it, which is part of the fun of being a lich, but you have to like spend the money and have it made and have it ready. Then you have to have the ability, and this is traditionally, have the ability to cast the spells that you need to make the ritual work. So you pull all the things well, together. I mean, we, we, the, the, we don't exactly know what the ritual is, is the thing. So in my mind, it's, you have to have the ability to, tr so the idea is you have to, Die. Yep. And also, so die, put your soul in the phylactery and then feed it with another soul. Once you yeah. do that, you, you come back as a lich. And then um, from that point on, every so often, you have to feed souls to your phylactery to, to sustain you, to keep, yeah. keep the soul powered up. So in my mind, it's things like, okay, if you came to me and said, I want to be a, uh, a lich, what spells do I need? I'd be like, right, well, you need soul cage. You need... Um, Oh, what's the spell? Oh, you've got like magic jar. Magic jar, that could work. Um, there's a bunch of them that like feel 
like they they would fit. It feels like to me that wizards have gone. We don't want to tell you how to become a lich because like the secrets in the source, you know, like mm, yeah, you can make it up. But also, hey, this spell is particularly lichy. <laughs> Why would you ever choose Soul Cage as a player character? It doesn't really have much going on for it. It's very situational. Maybe you want to become a lich, hey? Here's the secret. It's like they're the um, they're they're Orcus trying to like tempt yeah. me, tempt me into becoming it. Um, so there are spells like that that exist that feel like they would fit that. They're all wizard spells, all yeah. of them. You can't get them as a sorcerer, which is another thing in my mind that's like ah, it's a it's a wizard thing. It's not a it's not a sorcerer thing. So then it's like, well, if you're gonna have a sorcerer become a lich, maybe the that's still a way of doing it. You get someone the, to cast it for you. Oh, that feels dangerous, though. It is dangerous. Why would I? Why would it. I want? Uh, I don't want anyone to know that I'm doing this. Yeah, well, I mean, like if if you think about it, a lot of the the more famous liches before they became liches had like had a following, like like people that were utterly dedicated to them. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And I I do have a dedicated following who could help me if I was going to become a lich. Sorry. Sorry, I mean, if my player was going to become a, my player character, my character was going to become a lich. I've already done this, obviously. What I would do, speaking from experiences, I would, um, I'd get everyone together, have them cast the spells for me, and then when I came back as a lich, I'd kill them all so that no one knew I'd become a lich and just put their souls in little jars so that when I need a soul, I could just pop the cork and feed it in. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that seems like a pretty standard thing to do. Mm. Um. But I suppose that's another question, like the phylactery, like when you feed it, like can you, could you feasibly just, you know, say you gave it a thousand souls and so a soul lasts 30 days, is that mm. you and you good for the next 30,000 days? Or or does it get full? Does the soul, yeah. does the phylactery go, hang on, I'm bloated, I can't eat anymore? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then you offer it an extra delicious one and you go, go on, into, into the second dessert stomach. And it, then, it, then it throws up a little bit and you go, oh no, oh, my little baby. And you burp it. And, yeah. I think if, if, a, if a player said to me, hey, can I get a thousand people together, commit mass murder, mass genocide of, of this city and feed 200,000 souls into my phylactery to keep me good for the next, I don't know, X many, many years. Is that cool? I'd be like... Yeah, go on, pull that off then. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I'm like, off off you go. But like, I feel like that's that's another good like campaign hook. Stop the lich planning to to literally kill an entire city of people hey, to keep hey. yourself fed. Hey James. Yeah. To literally kill the whole God. city. Um yeah, I mean that's a great plot hook, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, we've heard that there's a lich in the city somewhere and he's and somehow they are planning to decimate the city and and become basically immortal for all time yeah stop it stop it from happening um yeah i mean i like my fantasy if i'm playing a wizard becoming a lich is Mm -hmm. that the wizard does the work and he finds everything and he does all himself if i was gonna do if if glathew my warlock was gonna become my warlock paladin was gonna become a lich i'd be like okay he will he wants his help from his patron to gift him this power. Yeah. And, and it would be about the connection with the patron and, and all that kind of stuff. Sorcerers, maybe it could be something within them. Cause obviously sorcerers are magic. Maybe there's this, they, they, like, they give themselves over wholly to, to whatever the forces that, that they've got in them. And it just turns them into something else. Mm, oh, I like that. I like that a lot. 
um like they're like i'm gonna i'm gonna become a lich and uh i need to I don't know, maybe it's maybe it's like something in their backstory. Maybe maybe, maybe their parents became liches and they've got to f- follow the family. Carry line. the dynasty. <laughs> yeah, something like that is is quite interesting. Um, or if you're playing a red wizard, like what does that mean? What does that look like? You know, they yeah. all, they all strive to become undead liches. So uh, what's what's the motivation? I guess. Yeah. Um, okay, let's talk about. The law of a lich, the the kind of like, where did they come from? What are they, and why are they here? So I did a little little search because I was interested, and I and I mentioned this to you briefly off air, and you were like, "Ah, I know these things. Here are words you've never heard before." Um, and I'm I'm very excited about this part of the convo. So I was looking up. I was interested to see if there is a first lich. Has there ever been named the first lich? And I couldn't find anything. So what we know is that there are a few famous liches. So obviously Vecna is a very mm. famous lich. Um, Aserak, yep. who was a, a devotee of Vecna's. And Zastar. And become a lich. Zastam. There's um, um, uh, Larlock of the Neferese was a very famous Neferese lich. There's the one from the Salvatore books, uh, Valindra Shadow Mantle. Oh, yeah, who is um, actually in Tomb of Annihilation. Oh, didn't know that you, one. Yeah, well, you didn't want to go to the heart of Uptal, so there we go. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm actually gutted now. <laughs> yeah, you, you can. You might come across her. Who knows? Yeah. Um, uh, Valkith is the Lich Queen of the Githyanki. Mm-hmm. He's another famous one, and then the last one is the um, the guy. I say guy. I can't actually remember if it's a guy or a girl. I just know the name. The person who used the heart of Vecna, who is. Uh, it's what their name's like, Oster, Osterneth, Osterneth, something like that. Oh, I don't know that one. Uh, that's a fun one. Um, I'll see if I can find a a, a run over of the story for you. Um, oh. I think, I, th- I think, and this is where I can hear Dave shouting at me, is that uh, she is, and I hate this law because it technically doesn't work anymore, uh, she's from Eberron, but she walks the plains, as most liches do. Ah. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, anyway, first lich, can't really find out who the, the first lich is. I mean, but... In law, they don't exist, is what we're saying. Yeah. Like, you could make it up, but there At least isn't one canonically. Not that we can find, anyway. Um, but there is, obviously, there's the first Draco lich. That one's pretty recorded. That's the Great Red Worm, Shagralar the Dark. Yes. Um, and he's created by Samus the Mad, um, a fallen chosen of the mystery, and that that's your origins of the Cult of the Dragon. Um, who follow Tiamat. Well, for those of you that don't know, the, by the time of the Tyranny of Dragons adventure, basically that someone else has taken over and it's all about bringing Tiamat back. But mm. before that, um, it was all about finding and making Draco liches. So this is interesting. We were talking about different types of liches and we've, we've completely missed one in the Draco lich in that it's a, it's a creature, not a, not a humanoid that's become a lich. Yeah, and I mean, but normally as well, um, dragons shy away from becoming Draco Liches because it's just a bit fucked. <laughs> I think most people shy away from it um, as well. Um, because they, they have to get someone else to basically help them do it. And in doing yeah. that, they can fall, then fall under their control. So I really love Draco Liches. I've actually got a... Um, 
I've got a adventure called Hunt for the Dracolich um, that I have never run, that I've got written out, that I would love to run at some point soon. Um, where so the 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 interesting about Dracoliches is that you basically to create them, they also have to drink this poison that kills them. Yeah, and then they require this ritual, which is kind of unheard of and unknown. But the idea is that the the soul, the way a Dracolich and, and a normal humanoid lich works, is very different. A normal yeah. humanoid lich puts their soul in the phylactery, feeds souls to the phylactery, and if the phylactery gets destroyed, they die, right? They can't reform. Yeah. Whereas a Dracolich, and correct me if I'm wrong here, it's been a while since I've read this, but they, um, they tie their soul into a phylactery, yep. usually like a, like a big gem or something, mm-hmm. which then gets protected by whoever. We're assuming the dragon has a cult because it's, it's needed help. Yeah. Um, and when they die, they have to have an undead dragon body nearby to inhabit. So as soon as they die, their soul goes into the phylactery and then gets split and put into a bit of this new body. Mm-hmm. And what's fun is that if a Dracolich is killed near in the vicinity of another dead dragon's body, it will just it. immediately go into the next body. So if you go down to a if you go down to the woods tonight and you fight a Dracolich in a cave and your DM is like describing how as you're walking in, there's the bones of dead dragons everywhere. Oh, you're so fucked. You are done. You, that dragon's <laughs> coming back 60 times, mate. It's killed every single dragon in the vicinity um, and it's brought them all to its lair because that's what I would do as an undead dragon. Which would be why you think you didn't want me to kill Tinder. There we go. Oh, James, <laughs> James is discovering campaign secrets while we talk. Oh. Uh, yes, uh, yes, your, um, your companion wants to become a Dracolich. Well done. <laughs> that is actually true. You have just discovered that. Cool. Uh, I'll give you that. Well done. So, yeah, uh, Dracoliches are very different, very, very different um, creatures. And again, it's one of those things is like it's considered evil. It's a... Uh, yeah. It's a hard, hard ritual to pull off. I think I'm going to sneeze just FYI. Hang on. Hang on. I don't want to make anyone jump. I'm looking at the lights. Here it comes. <coughs> there we go. Excuse me. That happened uh, live on air the other day when I was doing a radio show. It was yeah. really awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just sneeze in the background. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, how did we get onto Dracoliches? Oh, we were talking about First Lich. Yes, of course. Um, so the first lich was a was we don't know the first lich, but we know the first Draculich, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and kind of sets a, a precedent if you want to create the first lich in your uh, in your world or your campaign. I think a really cool campaign, like hook the whole campaign, is we need to find the first lich who's still alive somewhere in the universe. What would be what would be really crazy as well is. If it's you know like the old the old werewolf mythos where if you kill the one that bit someone else it cures them. So if you if you take out the first lich, it then takes out all of the other liches. That would be cool. <laughs> Can we eradicate lichdom? Yeah. But what about all the good liches, James? Yeah, good liches. Do they exist? Um, not in five e. like many things nowadays Um, yeah so the term arch lich which Mm -hmm. most of us would just assume means like a lich on steroids more um, powerful yeah used to actually refer to good liches um 
and they would basically devote their their undepth to some kind of purpose um and once that purpose is presumably achieved or whatever they would then willingly pass on as it were mm. um so they would become undead and extend their lives to deal with some unfinished business and then once that was done they'd go not all of them but some of them would um, would usually, they still need to kill people to absorb their souls? Um, I have to remember now. Don't think they did. They didn't have a phylactery as normal. Okay. Um, usually they'd have some kind of magical item that would act as like the repository, as it were, for the soul. Um, and yeah, they just go from there. There's been a, I think, but no one is it a lady Alephine Moonstar of Waterdeep. Oh, is that? Um, and she used to own the Blushing Mermaid Inn. <laughs> nice law. Okay, yeah. great. There you go. I like that. Um, they had the, another name, didn't they? Well, this is a different kind of good lich. Oh, okay. Um, let's not muddy the water. Yeah, you can't just be a good lich. You can yeah. be a different good lich. Um, now, specifically, you've also got the, the oh, I'm probably saying this wrong, um, the Bale Norn. Mm-hmm. Um, and those were elves who it was usually something gifted to them by the Seldarine. Mm-hmm. Um, isn't exactly Lichdom, but it's very, very close to it because they are undead. They don't have to eat souls and they're, very, they're just sustained by magic, as it were. Um, okay. And they would usually be effectively guardians. Um, they, they would be like protectors. Um, although, well... Certain sects of people have decided they don't like any kind of undeath, and so I try to kill them all. Yeah, yeah, even the good ones. You can you can do good thing you can do bad things for a good cause, and we'll still cut you off. We're not we're not into that, is what they're saying. Well, it's, I mean, being a bellnorn isn't even a bad thing. Like you don't eat souls. You 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 are sustained by magic, but you're undead. But you're undead, and so because you're therefore undead. you're bad. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, they sound like bad people. Not the not the Balon, the the people who just think all undead are bad. Yeah. Um seeing as we're talking about different types of liches in terms of like titles, there's also the demi lich. Yes. So I I love the demi lich and I also hate the demi lich because demi would usually in in word terms in linguistics Whenever I say linguistics, I think of linguini, and I get hungry. <laughs> just, just, just so you all know that. It's all about pasta. All about pasta. It's yeah. all about pasta. Um, a demi-lich, demi would usually mean lesser. Like a, a demi-god is a lesser god. They're not as powerful as a full god. But in lich terms, demi-lich is usually more powerful. So a lich requires... You're pulling faces at me, James. Let me, I just, let me finish. Sorry, I just, I just kind of came to like a random realisation, but, but carry on. Okay. So a normal lich is someone who has a phylactery and they sustain it with souls and they keep their physical form and they stay on the, on the plane. A demi-lich is a lich who forgoes feeding souls to their phylactery and therefore loses the ability to maintain a physical form and then usually devotes their time and it, they usually leave their phylactery to like starve because they've devoted their time to, to walking around the plains. They've decided that instead of um, being present and in the moment on the plane they live in, they want to traverse the multiverse. I hate that term. 
traverse all the different planes, go to all the different worlds and all that kind of stuff and learn as much as possible and gain as much as possible and do other things there. Rather famously in the Tomb of Horrors, the whole adventure is set up as, hey, you go into this tomb, uh, it's a lich's tomb. But then when you get there, you find out it's a demi-lich and you're fucked. And a Serac <laughs> is just yeah. a floating skull with soul gems in his eyes who will absorb you. Yeah. Now, a demi-lich arguably is more powerful than a lich, but they have less that they can do in the sense that a lich has all of their normal spells like a wizard would, whereas a demi-lich has things like they have the paralyzing um, scream, I think it's called. They have the the horrible touch. Well, they have the thing um, where they can just fall and just eat your soul. Like they have, yeah, they have like soul gems in their skull's eyes that just absorb your soul when you die, and you just yeah. instantly go. So they no longer, they no longer need their phylactery. Their phylactery lives, and it's like it's still a thing. It has their soul in that keeps them alive, and you have to destroy that to destroy them. But they don't need to to take your soul to the phylactery. They'll just straight up eat it there and then when they see you. Yeah. Um, the realization I came to, by the way, gone. The name Demilich does actually make sense. Tell me more. So. The Demi-Lich basically gives up ties to a whole body, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, and interestingly, it doesn't have to be its skull that it remains of. It could be any part as long as it can attach soul gems into it. Um, oh my god, so like, just a hand? It could be a, it could be a hand, it could be a spine. Um, you know, all of it, all the power... Ooh, all the power... Spine! All the power focused in one body part, so the rest of it sort of decays away. It basically is transcending its need for a body. Um... But if you think about it, the term demi-lich then makes sense because it is literally a piece of a lich mm. all focused into one part. Um, the idea of walking through a tomb and then seeing this bejeweled, bedazzled spine suddenly have like a ghostly form attached to it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Oh, and if, if you wanted to make something that would be absolutely mental. gone. A series of demi-liches in different body parts together. And they fuse to make a lich. <laughs> well, they fuse to make like something. It's like a weird Power Rangers yeah. megamorphin attachment. Yeah. Um, um I also I also have this th- vision in my mind now of like walking through a tomb and being like, okay, everybody, don't forget, we're looking for the ancient demi-lich. Graganathacon and his deadly femur. <laughs> <laughs> like, all that's left is, like, his leg bone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a really pretty leg bone because it's got soul gems in it. It's got arcane tattoos inscribed into it. What is it? It's a knee joint. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh. God. Um, yeah, I mean, you could get you could get that silly with it, but also be that's quite fun. I like that. Yeah, uh, that would be funny. Um, there are, I think, if you go back through, uh, like lore and stuff, you'll find many different um, types of liches. Yeah, but that's there, there's a lot there to like take in immediately. Oh, oh, um, there's also the Alhoons as well, isn't there? Oh, go on then. Tell us about the Alhoons. The the Alhoons being the the Illithid liches. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they defy the Elder Brain. Um, you know, go off and be like Manchiki Illithids, and in the they're end- usually in lore, I think. And again, this kind of is like traditional lichdom stuff. They're usually wizards who have been put through the 
yeah. process of ceramorphosis and kept a little bit of that arcane like spark in their minds. Yeah. And so they're, they're still attracted to it. Yeah. Which is what leads um, them to find eternal life outside of the Elder Brain. Yeah. And then, but the cool thing about the Abhoons is they're not skeletal. They are just like dried out husks of like illithid skin. And They're like a, an octopus that's been left out in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I imagine they probably like creak as they move. Like all of their little tentacles move around and they like crack and creak because they're dry. Oh, bleh. like yeah. like like dried paper almost. Mm. Um, do they have phylacteries? Uh, I imagine they would do, but I don't see why they wouldn't. I love the idea of making phylacteries, and I think that's the most fun you can have when you're creating a lich, whether it's a player character or an NPC. Is like, what do they do with their most treasured possession? And for me, like I know where a Serax phylactery is for TOA, and like that. To work out what I was going to do with that, I took so much time and thought into it. And then in, in uh, the world of Karma, my homebrew world, there's a dragonborn who became uh, a lich. Yeah. And um, devoted his life or his unlife to helping the dragons that were being cast out. Uh, his phylactery he gave to a, uh, a beholder who is unlike any other beholder and just loves collecting things. And so this beholder <laughs> protects its hoard like a dragon, has yeah. all these different things. You walk down its, ca- its cave and there's like piles of silver spoons, piles of helmets, piles of coins, did we piles of this, paintings. This, you, yeah. you did. You did. This beholder is like friendly if you give it things. And if you don't, it's like, you're trying to steal my stuff. Yeah. Go away. And it's paranoid in that sense. But it has around its neck the lich's phylactery so anyone it kills get instantly absorbed into the phylactery hmm. and that's how the lich is like cool my buddy the beholder is going to deal with all these people and feed me while he's doing it that's pretty um, cool I'd have to go through <laughs> is it James you just yawned as you said that. <laughs> I'm tired <laughs> <laughs> I'll, um, I'll have to go through my notes to find their names at some point but oh. yeah deciding what the phylactery is going to be is a lot of fun I actually don't know what Orlo's phylactery is going to be I need to think about that. I know how he's going to do the ritual and who he wants to kill and why <laughs> and um, like where he's going to do it and all that kind of stuff. I don't know what his actual flat is. Who do you want be. to kill? Like who's specific? Is there a specific person? I've sent you a, a big rundown of this. Before, you have. And I don't remember because I literally have a Google Doc now titled All Those Lichdom. Yeah, we've t- we've talked about it so much, um, and that's an, that's a thing coming to like players being liches. It needs a lot of thought and it needs a lot of time to be built up on. But um, like it's been in the works since he was like level five. But he um, will go to Cowry, yeah, and ask for one of the people that Cowry once killed in the um, locksmith's gang who has uh, done evil right. things. Yeah, and if Cowry says I don't have anyone, which would you know, which get, is, the, is the easy answer is, ah, oh, this person's bad. I'll just kill them for the great good, which is all, all those things. Um, he will, uh, and he can't break someone out of what deep prison because that's recently been broken out of and yeah. there's no one there now. There is a, uh, uh, an elf who is currently staying at the, oh, yeah. their yeah. tavern who, um, is literally from it, another world. He fell, he made a mistake and broke time. Yeah. Basically, broke his magic and travelled from one one world to another, which is possible when you think about Spelljammer and there are spells to do that, but he wasn't trying to do that. He was messing with time magic and spatial magic. 
and basically Doctor Who'd himself into the wrong world. And um, your character, Kiro, was like, oh, well, stay with me and teach me your magic ways. Uh, yeah. And he's been living basically on the couch of uh, the glass cannon for like a year, like at least like six months or something. So yeah. all those like, mate, you're, pa- you're, you're not paying any rent. You're going to pay with your soul. No one will miss you. <laughs> you no one will miss you. You're not from this, this world. Yeah. And he's going to take him away and he's going to kill him and he's going to eat his soul. Um, so that's the, that's the worst case scenario for Ole. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I'm not going to tell you what my phylactery is because that would, that would endanger me massively. However, if you did want some ideas for like what you could put your soul into, why not a really nice set of beautiful metal hollow dice? You could have them with you at all times. No one would know they're a phylactery. And when you roll them, you know you'd be rolling the souls of the damned. Um, there are some lovely sets that uh, I think, James, you've actually got this set. The the Zarthrax Black Hollow Dragon set. Of I dice. have. And they are very beautiful. Oh, and have rolled. God. I will say they have rolled me very many natrantes. I've talked about these before. I have the Divine Reliquary uh, dice, which are um, metal. And they're not technically hollow. Like you, they're, they're not hollow like the dice ones are but they don't have anything inside so they're metal and they're light much like the the black hollow dragon the reliquary ones are actually sold out on the website right now but the um the black hollow dragon ones are in stock go and check them out and i looked ben and dave here's a here's a uh a challenge for you you don't have any dice that are like named and and a set of phylactery dice you should 100 percent do that oh my god i would buy them yes if you want to go and have a look at the full uh, sets of dice, metal, glass, uh, gemstone, uh, resin, there, there's loads of different options. There's Gem, so many gemstone acrylic. Gemstone would make a very good phylactery. Oh my God, right? Um, go and have a look at the link in the description below. They also, of course, sell um, things like the D&D books that you might want. For example, the new one coming out very, very soon. The old uh, Keys to the Golden Vault for heisting. Maybe you could heist a lich's phylactery. That would be an interesting story. Um, as well as my current favourite, the scroll of many things, which I use to roll my dice on all the time. And it's wonderful. Go and have a look. There's a link in the description below. And uh, if you want to get 10% off your entire order, you can use the code we speak common at checkout and that will, that will do that for you. Our other wonderful, wonderful partners are, of course, Describe, D-S-C-R-Y-B, Adder.com on the end, and you can head over to the website. There's also a link to them down below. They have the professional writers creating box text for you to use in your games, whether it's uh, homebrew or whether you're playing a a pre-written module, whatever it is, they've got it for you. There's over 9,500 scenes. Hang on, I'm going to check this now because it grows every week. We're currently at... Oh my God, 9,800 scenes available for you to use of places, monsters, dialogue, items, characters, nature, vehicles. Uh, There's the Enchanter Academy. There's planes. There's stuff you can read as a player. There's spells. There's so much stuff. About 500 of them are free for you to use right now. And there's even a button on the website that just takes you straight to the free scenes. Um, So if you're thinking of using liches in your game and you want to make them feel scary and powerful and, and all that kind of stuff, head over, write out the word lich and it will give you them so right now i've just done it there's nine free scenes for lich related stuff there's one player related one there's 86 under the storyteller uh um storyteller subscription level and there's a hundred under the hero one one of them includes a dragon fighting a dragon lich how cool would it be to see that as a player and use that as a dm go and have a look describe.com d-s-c-r-y-b.com you can head over there 
for uh, those 500 free scenes. And if you want to subscribe, you can get 10% off using the code COMMON at checkout. And that will last for the first two years that you're subscribed. One of the free ones, I'm going to actually click on it. One of the free ones on there right now is the Red Dragon Lich, which, uh, oh, shall I read it out? Do you want to, do you want to hear it? Do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> A thick cloud of black smoke covers the field, appearing from nowhere, and the smell of ash fills your nostrils. An enormous form takes shape within the mist, a monster half covered in flaming red scales and half a charred skeleton. Its skeletal wings break the mist that covers the sun behind their torn membranes, and it roars with an otherworldly screech. It's a red dragon lich. There you go. Go use that. That That one's free right now. Write a campaign around that bad boy. Uh, Let's talk about players becoming liches. Because this is something we've had a lot of discussion about. Yep. And we've actually, I think we've talked about the number of, a number of different ways that you can pull this off and around how we might pull it off. And I think over time we've changed our opinions quite a bit. Yeah. I certainly have anyway. Um, so becoming a lich as a player, first of all, you need to find the, the secret. Yep. So you need a way to do that. You need to commit the money and the time, which is a big sink into doing the, the actual ritual and making the phylactery and the poison and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you need to do it, which should be a big moment for your character. Um, and then you need to think about how you're going to sustain that going forward, where you're going to hide the phylactery, all that kind of stuff, how you're going to feed it. And then also what that gives you. So what's the benefit? What do you now have as a player who's a lich? Now, liches have a number of abilities that players don't have, like the, um, the, the touch attack that they have, the like paralyzing touch. Uh, they have some kind of like thing around spells where they can, there's certain spells they can just cast for free if they're powerful enough, kind of like a wizard gets at a higher level there's they have different um modifiers they're undead so there's that they don't need to breathe eat or drink they don't need to sleep like all those kind of things other things you need to think about now should we uh should we talk about like the, the the ritual and the potions and all that kind of stuff first yeah so for me I wouldn't do like an instant transformation. I wouldn't want to be like, oh, I wish to be a lich or hey, God, make me a lich. And then it instantly happen. Yeah. I'd want to do the whole like go and go and make this potion and kill this person and do all that. Yeah. Prepare this, this ritual and, and sight and and stuff. Yeah. So here's a couple of options for learning the ritual of lichdom that I've collected over the course of like all the different things I've read. So the the most obvious one is go and talk to someone who knows. So Orcus, Vecna, Aserak, Zaztam, all those kind of people. Yeah. Insert other lich here. <laughs> Insert other evil deity here. Asmodeus maybe might know because oh, he yeah. knows a lot. You know, Mephist- maybe. Mephistopheles maybe, probably knows Yeah, well. so I was thinking maybe Mephistopheles, one of those uh, d- uh, devil lords and all that kind of stuff. Um, you could learn it from the Book of Vile Darkness, penned by Vecna himself. Yep. It makes sense that it was in there. Um, maybe you find half 
destroyed notes from a like evil wizard's lair and you have to then go and find the rest or work it out yourself and that takes time investment much like reading a book that gives you a stat boost takes time investment yep. and if you fuck it up then well that's on you yeah that's the risk maybe you um you know help a very powerful lich and as a reward they teach you yeah uh a couple of ones i don't like that i've seen just spend downtime Doing research. No, via, no. via the, the Xanathar's Guide to Everything rules. Feels like you've not earned that for me. Um, or, well, what if I cast the Legend Law spell on a phylactery? I'm like, mm. No, because otherwise every... every Everyone would just do rule. that, right? Yeah. There's obviously yeah. some reason that doesn't work. Yeah. So I feel like it has to be this kind of mission. It has to be difficult. So then you have to go and create the phylactery. So the phylactery is the, the magic item that has some sort of interior space that holds your soul. So maybe it can be like an amulet or a ring or a coffin or, you know, a jar or a model of your tavern that you made and live in with all of your friends. Maybe that's where you hold your soul, you know, something like that. Mm. Um, it usually is covered with gems and is made out of precious materials and has a load of arcane sigils on it because it has to be expensive. It has to be worth at least 50,000 gold coins. Yeah. Also consider as well, like most liches by that point are going to have some kind of ego. So, you know, oh, yeah. they're not going to want their soul housed in some shitty little wooden box, are they? If you could design your own coffin, it would be a nice coffin, right? So yeah. do that for your do that for your soul. This is a weird conversation. <laughs> um, uh, it takes like den den it takes ten days to make, and it, it it's complex. You need like a good craftsperson. And I like the idea that if all I was going to get all the ingredients for the potion and all, all the stuff made for his phylactery, he would go to loads of different people and get them all to do different bits yeah. and then combine it because he's like, I don't want anyone to know. Um, so that's the phylactery. Then you need the potion. Now, the potion isn't listed anywhere in any source that I've found. So I've seen online loads of different suggestions of what it could be. My favorite comes from one of the sources I'm going to cite at the end of this episode, uh, which has like a list of like the ingredients that you need. Because the potion has to be worth a certain amount of money. That value is 15,000 gold pieces. So immediately we're up to 65,000 gold. And that requires, takes three days to create. Its official title is Potion of Transformation. It's this horrible, vile poison. Basically, it kills you. Um, this is the, the ingredients list that I like for an evil lich potion. The potion is brewed from the heart of a humanoid, infant. <laughs> uh, a, one quart of blood from a vampire. Five doses of wyvern poison three doses of purple worm poison and two dice doses of midnight tears, which is a big horrible poison, poison that kills yeah. people. Um, the ingredients only make a very lethal potion. However, to finalize the potion of transformation, uh, it must first be infused with the blood of a sacrificed sentient creature during the ritual, which is then the next step, right? Yeah. I know, I know then, a lot of a lot of things so it has to be done like under the light of a full moon and stuff as well. Oh yeah, so we're getting <laughs> to that now. So now we're into the ritual, right? The, this is I love how specific this is. I love this. This is this I eat this up like the souls that I devour. Um so the ritual takes an hour and it involves obviously weaving powerful necrotic magic. Um 
maybe it has like a dance or like a load of ingredients or something like you can make it flavorful however you like um sometimes obviously if you've gone this route you'll have a dark power involved maybe there's a lot of sacrificial like worshipping to like orcus or vecna during the ritual um so it ends with the sacrifice of a, a sentient creature so someone who's got an intelligence of i think sentient counts seven or higher it might be might be less than that might be like six i don't know um you can check that uh sentient creature they do not need to be willing they just need to be there and die um the soul of their former being is consumed by the phylactery their blood is added to the potion and then the lich drinks that potion at midnight exactly midnight yeah bang on the dot um so check all your clocks work they don't die yeah if the ritual is performed correctly the character instantly dies upon consuming the potion and their soul becomes absorbed by their phylactery instead of leaving the mortal world and then shortly after they are risen into their new undead form. And that's it. That's, that's it. That's how you become a lich. Sounds yeah. easy. Simple. Yeah. But there can be lots of ways it can go wrong. <laughs> oh, yes. They could be um, interrupted. They could not yeah. drink the right potion. I mean, I, I've seen things that say as well sometimes that sometimes it just don't work. Even if you do everything right, there's a chance it could all just not work. Yeah, but, but don't if, do if that your to players, players don't do yeah, that. If your yeah. players been building up to that for like sixty sessions, maybe don't do that. Um, they could, oh, you know, gosh. if if it fails, they doesn't necessarily mean death either. They they could be transformed into something like a Nothic. Oh, so Nothics are great lore. They are creature wizards who have learned dark evil powers and been mutated through some form of ritual because they've got something wrong. So yeah. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I mean that is effectively killing your player. But. Yeah, but then it, it it leaves a version of them still in the world as a lesson to other people, which is very cool. Yeah. So okay, you've gone through all of that. You've done the work. You wake up. You're dead. I would say that <laughs> you wake up. You're dead. Um, <laughs> for me, I think something we discuss is that like Orlo is a very specific. Bit, like he's not got an arm. He's missing a hand, right? So I wouldn't want to have a new body formed out of like thin air and well, him yeah, become like, fully normal. This is the thing. You could you could take it a few ways. Either a a new body forms, or for the time being. They carry on in the previous body that just died until that body is no longer able to go on. Um, yeah. And it might be the case that that body gradually rots away until it becomes what you would expect a lich to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, when bodies reform, they might reform skeletally. They might reform looking relatively normal, but then decay. So here's how I would do it. You drink the potion, you die, and you wake up back in your body, and you're you're in the same body. Yeah, you're exactly who you were the moment you died. Right from that point on, the phylactery reforms your body as it was when you die. So, okay, cool. Ben drinks his potion. He wakes up in his body. He's now undead. Doesn't need to eat and drink, but he looks normal. His body's not decayed. Okay, there's no blood pumping around his veins. His heart isn't beating, but he looks normal. Slowly over time, I live my life. My body decays at the normal rate of a corpse because it's just a corpse, right? Yeah. It just happens to be moving around. Um, And so I have to use magic to cover that up like all liches do and look normal. 
and not smell and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, we all have to wash, guys. Okay. Yes. There's no, it's not, it's not much more work than what we do as a living human. Well, that'd be a good ad for deodorant. Covers up the smell of your decaying corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Want to get rid of those stink flies that won't leave that cesspit in the back of your head? Um, so, yeah. Uh, then let's say an adventuring party finds out I'm an undead lich and they come and kill me because they're, they, they're lichist, right? So they kill me. Okay, I've died, but they haven't got my phylactery. So my body reforms. Awesome. But my body reforms looking the way it looked when I died. So if Ben had lost an arm and then died, the body would reform without that arm. If the decay had happened and one of my eyes had fallen out and I'd replaced it with a gem, my body reforms without the eye. Like... Because yeah. that's the phylactery goes, oh, this is what you look like when you died. So I'll bring you back right now. It's not the same as being a clone who looks exactly as you were when you made the clone. It just remembers as you were, as you died. I mean, you could, you could also have it, like a cool thing could be that um, the body is reformed in how the lich views themselves. So like, you know, taking, that's cool. taking all or as an example, it's, you know, he's been missing that. He's been missing that arm for that long. It, you know, uh, his his mage hand and how that works forms a pretty essential part of his identity. So yeah. when his body reforms, it would reform. Um, missing Mate, that arm. If if that's how it works, Orlo's going to spend so much time just believing he's ripped and like five <laughs> inches taller and got a deeper voice and all this stuff, and he's just going to come back a fucking hunk. Um. <laughs> So let's talk about the mechanics of being a lich because we're kind of we're kind of getting to time here. Yeah. Um, there are a few ways I've seen this be done. One of them, which I I like, but I don't think I'm going to lean on now, is the uh, prestige class way. And the other one, which I think I like more now, is the feat way, which is a bit more pathfindery. So the prestige class way is that when you reach level 15 you do all of the re- there's a requirement to each level to become to take in the prestige class of the lich and the li- the class is called lich yeah um you get to level 15 prerequisite is that you're a wizard or a spellcaster or whatever you want to make it to be at level 15 you take your next level your 16th level in lich rather than in wizard or sorcerer or whatever and that gives you a certain number of abilities so that would be um things like uh, the um, um, herald. There's there's one I'm looking at here. It's Her- herald of the dead. Um, you know your very presence empowers your undead minions. Allied undead within thirty feet of you get a bonus to saving throws and attack rolls. You one plus your lich level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's that's one of the things that it could be. Yeah. So then, like taking level two might then give you advantage on being turned by undead like the turn undead feature it will give you the melee spell attack that liches have the um the the paralyzing cold touch the 3d6 cold damage from from touch um and then the next level might then give you uh, a new plus and then resistance to bludgeoning piercing and slashing damage that's not magical and stuff like that yeah. so that's one way to so do it via levels which could be a good way to um space out how the how the powers come in and how quickly they come in because i wouldn't want the character the player to immediately have everything and just immediately be really powerful and strong yeah the feat way of doing it 
means that you get to keep your core class. So if you're a wizard and you're really set on, you know, the, the capstones of signature spells and stuff, the feat way, um, and the one I'm looking at is uh, Larlock's Lexicon of Lichdom, yep. which is a good book. Um, and we'll get into this in a minute, is uh, you take the feet. So the prerequisites to each feat are things like, the first one is the ability to cast fourth level spells and having transformed into a lich. And it's called Fledgling Lich. You become undead. You, uh, your armor class changes based on if you're not wearing armor. You get dark vision. You become immune to poison. Uh, your soul's in the phylactery, so your body reforms 1d 10 days after it dies, stuff like that. Then... The next time, the next feat is the ability to cast six level spells as a prerequisite, and you have to have the fledgling lich feat, so you can't skip them. That makes your that lifts your armor class again, gives you resistances, gives you a melee attack. Then there's the next one, the next I think there's four of them. So you go yeah. fledgling, lich neophyte, lesser lich, and then lich. lich. And the lich you have to have ninth level spells and have the lesser lich feat. Um, and that I feel gives more freedom to how you become more powerful because as, a, as a, a dm i can then be like okay you've been a fledgling lich for this many sessions and you've done these kind of things i think i'm going to reward you now with the next lich feat or you know if they're already off the level like with orlo when he becomes a lich he'll already be able to do all of those things except maybe the ninth level spell ones because we'll be that far in the campaign yeah um yeah i i feel like i like that one more for freedom but the level one is a great way of saying, hey, you have to get to 15th level before you do it. But then you might be in a position where you don't, <laughs> you don't get that far in the campaign. Oh, you, could, you could always combine the two as well. You might decide the person needs to get to a certain level before they start um, doing that. Because um, realistically as well, you probably want to get to a point in the game where if we're completely honest, when you get to above 15th level, balance realistically <laughs> goes out of the window. There's, there's no such thing as balance. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, there is, but it's a lot. It's, it's very different from the yeah, rest of the it's, game. Yeah, it's very different. Um, you know, at that point, um, you know, being that really powerful is what you're going to be going up against as well. Yeah. Um, so it works balance-wise then, even though balance, I just said it was out the window. Um, <laughs> you, I, I, I regret what I just yeah, said. You, I mean, you get what I'm sort of getting at. It gets ridiculous yeah. when you get to those sorts of levels. Yeah. There are um, a few third-party sources I want to give shout-outs to for, for this stuff. There's loads of stuff on this, like on the internet for free. So, for example, the, the Prestige Lich class, James and I have seen so many different versions of that that are just floating around the internet. Yeah. So go and have a little Google for Prestige Lich class. You'll find one, different ways to do that. One I can specifically go to um, if, if you want to look for it. Uh, found it on Reddit. Um, yep. And it's by a man Classic. called The Only Pablito. We, well, we think he's a man. He might be a woman. Yeah. Called The Only Pablito. Um, it's posted about a year ago at this point. Um, so you can probably quite easily find that to search the Lich Prestige class, The Only Pablito. Nice one. Um, books, third-party books that I've got. There's a Sarax Guide to Lichdom, uh, Lichdom, which is a very good one. Yep. There's, uh, hang on, I've Larlox got to go down my... Larlock's Yeah, so that one, um, I'm going to save to last. I want to talk about that one for some other things that's got in it. But La uh, so a Sarax Guide, there's Larlock's Lexicon of Lichdom, which is hard to say fast, especially if you've been drinking. Um, there is, I'm sure I've got another one here. 
Hang on, I'm just going down my my very long library of third party books on my on my Mac. Yeah, uh, I've got a big old long one as well. <laughs> have I got? Have I got one? I think they're the only two I have actually downloaded. They're the only two that I've I bought. think those are the those are like the 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 two like sort of top ones on on DM skilled, I believe. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Larlock's lexicon. The reason I wanted to come back to it is because we touched on there being different lich stat blocks. Yes, and Larlock has them. So Larlock's book it has um, uh, a lot of uh, theory around being different classes, and in fact, there is a sidebar in here somewhere that talks about the different spells that you may need for the ritual being different classes. Uh, hang on, where is it? Here you go. Optional rule uh, required spell casting. So for the wizard, magic jar and soul cage, the two we mentioned before. For warlock, create undead and soul cage. Sorcerer, creation and innovation. I don't, I don't know if I've said that right. Druid, reincarnate and Gaius. Bard and cleric have a couple as well. Yeah. So it's got options for that. But what's nice is if you scroll to the end of the book, it, it talks about creating lich characters uh, for NPCs. And there's also stat blocks for different versions of liches, like cleric, yes. druid, sorcerer, warlock. Exactly. There's then a thing for legendary liches as well. It's got Alpine Moonstar in there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a really cool stat block called the Prepared Lich, which is uh, a lich that is basically battle ready and hasn't just been exploring like the cosmos or something, which is sometimes you find a demi lich and they come along and they've got a weird spell list because they've been doing something on a different world. The Prepared Lich knows you're coming yeah. and so is ready to fight you and has all of these, like it has power word kill, for example. Yeah. I feel like that's something every lich just would constantly have on. Well, I don't know. It depends. Depends what you're doing. Yeah. Depends what you're doing. That ninth level spell, you know. Oh, it is ninth, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the lich cleric, very cool stat block, has things like earthquake, holy aura, divine word, gate, contagion, flame strike. Like it's they're they're really cool, different flavored liches. So if you do want to do that, druid lich, sorcerer lich, all that kind of stuff, Larlocks has it. There's also a few magic items at the end as well, which are quite cool. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't looked at those. Yeah, obviously you've got Should... like your potion of transformation that's in there. There's then like a ring of soul caging, a rod of spell dueling, uh, the secret mm-hmm. shearer, which is like a short sword, and a, a, an amulet of soul searching, gem of anti magic. Also, um, the 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 art's gorgeous. It is. I need to start playing with anti magic more. <laughs> <laughs> I I I need to hurry up and become a lich. Yes. In game, because obviously I'm already one in the real world. Mm-hmm. Um cool. Go and check those books out. Go and give them some support. They put a lot of work into them. We support them. So you should too if you're gonna use their stuff. Um and wanna see what more they've got going on. I think, James, that's where we're gonna call it. We've we've done a lot today on liches. We have. We've touched on the history. We've touched on where it comes from. We've touched on who and what they are. We've talked about how you become one and what you need to do and how that works mechanically. Have you got any more parting words for wannabe liches? Um, just remember when running a lich, they live for a very long time. So plans are measured in decades or centuries, not in weeks. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great tip. I like that. Okay. Oh, um, and as well, if their phylactery is not nearby... They don't give a fuck if their body gets destroyed because they'll be back. Yes. Now, as a player, that can be very jarring because you might be like, oh, but what if I lose my awesome items? Tough. You lose them. Um, don't, don't get your body destroyed. But if you need to, your body is just going to reform. 
Um, if you're uh, a player becoming a lich, you're asking your DM to be, to do this with you. Come in with so many ideas. Like, how are you going to do the ritual? Where are you going to do it? Where are you getting the money from? What's the phylactery made of? How is it going to look? How are you going to lure someone away? How are you going to make the phylactery? And where are you going to hide it? How are you going to feed it? All that stuff. Come with all of that stuff. And I think what's fun is that the way you retire your character, if you're a lich, when you're done, if they've survived, is you say, hey, my lich, my character is going to go and ascend and become a demi-lich and go and travel the plains and stop adventuring. Or just hold, hold up in a, in a little tomb somewhere and, and make a dungeon for the next campaign. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely going to become a villain. Um, <laughs> cool. Okay, let's end it there if you want to get involved with these conversations if you want to tell us about your favorite lich characters or where you would hide your phylactery or what you would make it out of or be then come over to the we speak common patreon uh, discord server there is a free section the common room anyone is welcome there's a link to join in the description of this episode right now click that link come and join the common room uh, but if you want to get full access to everything like the main hall the hall of heroes uh, the Project Civitus, the Civitus project, which we're currently working on, a big community project we're doing. And of course, places like behind the scenes, topic suggestions, battle maps, Candlekeep Corner, all that stuff we've got going on. Then the Patreon is the way to do that. It's the best way to support the show directly. There's a link to it below. It's also on all our social media. Our handles are at We Speak Common. Uh, have a wonderful time planning who you're going to murder to ascend into Lichdom. James, uh, if you need any help brewing a potion, remember, I've done it before. I can help you out again. I'll let you know. All right. I'll I'll make you change one day. See you later, dude. See ya. Thanks for listening to the We Speak Common Podcast Network. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a review on your platform of choice and share us with a friend or D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support the network and the production of new shows like the one you heard today, head to the description of this episode or our social media pages for a link to our Patreon page. You can connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at We Speak Common. The network theme is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive.